coming up on the podcast, 1999's indie darling classic that nobody saw, SLC Punk! Exclamation point. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener. Welcome to the program. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to talk about the indie cult classic from the late 90s, SLC Punk! Exclamation point. You have to have the exclamation point because it's punk. It's a semi-autobiographical movie about growing up in Salt Lake City in 1985 and being one of a coterie of punk rock kids who may or may not be posers. That's the central drama of the film. Uh, am I a poser if I'm in, into punk, or am I a punk because uh, I'm a poser, uh, or am I just genuinely uh, anti-everything and burn everything down? Uh, it's a, it's an interesting little nugget, a building's roman, if you will. Uh, look that up if you don't know what it is. It's a fancy term for, uh, you know, a youth culture coming-of-age thing about being a punk in Salt Lake City in 1985. Did I mention that? I mean, there's really not much more to this movie. It's all fast cuts fun edits, uh, but it's very, uh, well, let's just say similar to Trainspotting, which came out a few years before, which was about uh, another subculture in Scotland. Not punks, but, you know, new wavers, heroin addicts, and whatever. So it's a similar flavor, but it goes all the way back to stuff like Quadrophenia from the late 70s. Just disaffected subcultures of youth in a city that's just oppressing it. So we're going to investigate. Brian had never seen it. We're going to find out what he thought. I kind of enjoy it just because it's just boisterous and uh, empty and fun and youthful and whatever. Anyway, if you like what we have to say... Send us an email, magnificentlyhuge@gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at MagHuge. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Magnificent Podcast. And then you can head over to our website, MagHuge.com, where you can find links and sundry and all that crap. Then you can, you know, also find us on your podcast purveyor of choice, uh, SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. So without further ado, uh, we're going to get right into the punk nature of SLC. Punk! Exclamation point. And we're back. Be punk. Be punk. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Why does he think that anybody wants to listen to that sound? Hi, folks. Yeah. Welcome Hello. to the show. Hello. <laughs> it's the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian. This is Chris. And I'm Eric, and I am enjoying uh, a Coke Zero Sugar Starlight, which is a, a is limited that? edition what? flavor they came huh? out with. That is it's, not it's, punk it's rock. It's Coca-Cola Starlight. And, uh, uh, oh, oh, yeah, sorry. This is my fresh shit. Whoa. Um, what is Starlight supposed to... Oh, oh, okay. fresh shit? Yeah. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is fresh. Wait, he said fresh shit. We're doing I it. Did. Let's go. Mm. New stuff. Damn. So what, what do you got? At, I'm looking at the label, and I've got uh, uh, Coca-Cola Starlight. Uh, I, the zero sugar version. Uh, yeah. And it says right on the bottle, space flavored. Space <laughs> flavored. I don't know. That sounds like yeah, a I guess absolute, absolute absence of flavor. Vacuum. Like, just See, that no would have made more sense. 
Oh, that would have made okay. more sense. This is more like a uh, 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 marshmallowy. Maybe a little. So, maybe a little big red in there somewhere. So in space, no one can hear you vomit your Coke Zero sugar-free <laughs> whatever. <laughs> is that the deal? Or scream? Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Remember wow. Crystal Pepsi? Yeah, that's uh, right up there with yeah with Crystal Pepsi, yeah, right? That's yeah. good. Or what does they, that even mean? Or when they uh, when they changed it to New Coke and then changed it back after yeah. two weeks because they realized well, they'd made an egregious mistake. Also yeah. on the label. It says Coca-Cola, and then there's a little tag beneath it that says Creations, which I think is a way of saying, we're going to be putting out more and more wacky shit. Yeah. So, it's, stay it's tuned. Artisan, it's artisan cola, is what you're drinking. Yes. From the sound yes. of it. <laughs> uh, like, I'm down with they it. Just, can they start to name them after emotions, like Coca-Cola Ennui? Yeah. You know, really. just... Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really? Or like, Coca-Cola uh, Breakup. Uh, yeah, Coca-Cola Breakup <laughs> for... For when uh, uh, that bitch ran off with your best friend. Coca-Cola breakup. Uh, Coca-Cola study for test. Coca-Cola car crash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Am I misremembering Mm. this? Is there there an actual flavor out there called Dr. Pepper Cherry? Yes, there is. Is there? Sure. Cherry Dr. Pepper makes sense, though. Cherry is a flavor. Yeah, but Dr. Pepper already has like 17,000 flavors in their recipe why do you add cherry then at what point is it dr pepper it's just cherry at that point to sell different bottles of more stuff come on this is Uh, capitalism i guess (laughs) what do you want (laughs) but if you were gonna it's it's like the difference between cool ranch doritos and cooler ranch doritos you know what does it mean it's cooler well, sure. I long for the days <laughs> when you when you had like the big ones, Coke and Pepsi, but then you also had the regional shit, so RC, uh, mm-hmm. and things like Shasta. that, or Shasta, or like not Dr Pepper, but Mr Pib, or if you go to the grocery store, you get like the grocery store chain version of uh, of <laughs> you know Dr Cola yeah. or whatever the fuck. It my is. right, it's, yeah. Uh, my wife is a big uh, Diet Dr Pepper fan. But she has actually come to prefer those store brought like Doctor Taste, yes, or Doctor Shasta, <laughs> or it's always a doctor, doctor, you know? yeah. Who, yeah, let's and face it, I'm like, pretty God, sure it's, it's not a medical doctor. I think no, some no. of these are like, uh, you know, the, the college gave it to them because they donated. You know, yeah, that's the a honorary that's a doctor doctorates. That, yeah, got his medical degree in Haiti or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what. It, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, they're terrible. They're oh terrible. boy. Okay. So, uh, so that's your fresh shit for this week, Eric. Yeah. Is, it, is uh, it soda? <laughs> drinking a delightful. Did I soda? Yeah. Let's see. Did I already talk about Russian Doll? I think I did. No, no, no you haven't. I've seen the Russian first Doll second season two. Yeah, I've, this I've is the first like. Yeah. yeah, if you saw the first season, you know that was like a wild, a wildly interesting concept. And how the hell are they going to redo that for season two? I kept thinking, oh, is she going to keep dying in junk? Now, this time, it's a different angle. Yeah, Yeah, she's she's basically flowing through time, and she's going to try and change her family's past. Yeah. So that, you know. But Uh, the thing is, of course, it turns out, well, I can't give you that. I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to ruin it. But I will say, it's interesting. Okay, she goes back in time, but... In in the past, she is her own mother. You know, she she inhabits her mother, 
And then she so goes like back quantum a little, leap. Yeah, and then she goes back a little further and she inhabits her grandmother, right? And she is like inhabiting all of these women in her lineage who have a history of insanity. And <laughs> I, I, we're watching this going, you know what? I think maybe they're not crazy. They just have this, you know, uh, uh, woman from 2020 popping right? into their psyche randomly. Well, yeah. plus it's Natasha so Leone. she's the problem. Yeah. Yes. Natasha Leone, just as a straight up character in this thing, is just like pitch perfect. I love her as the, this just irascible New York woman who just doesn't yeah. give a shit about anything. She's and a it's so throwback. Fun. Yeah. She's... She should be in like so many other people's movies twenty years ago. She yeah. should have been a stock Woody <laughs> Allen character at some point. Yeah, but of course she hadn't invented herself yet. Yeah, yeah. But the fact great. that she's that she's directing herself in these two is uh, quite a feat. So I I applaud her for that. But the the stories they've kept it interesting. I love some of the dialogue too. She's talking about how uh, being a smoker. She's like my my lungs are basically too shriveled up Nick Caves as it is. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. <laughs> You know, one of the things I remember about the first season of Russian Doll was that it had a real snappy pacing to it, and it kept throwing you off kilter. Is yeah. this is this holding up that kind of tone? Yes. Uh, okay. I at least at least when I thematically seen it is. I don't think the dialogue is as snappy. I think I think it's more conceptual. I, yeah. I'm not sure if that's okay. good or bad, it, but like the first one was straight up Groundhog Day. This is you know sort of. Jews and time travel. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's, this one has like a, like a being John Malkovich sort of vibe about it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. you crawl through the, the tunnel and then you're suddenly inhabiting this other body, but you're unable to really address anything externally as yourself. Being I mean, it's, Peter yeah, Murphy. It's a, yeah, it's very existential, uh, again, but in a totally different way. <laughs> and it's still good. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, watched the end of Ozark. Can we talk about Ozark? I've never seen Ozark. You're the only one who's been doing Ozark, so yeah. bring it out. Just bring it. let's do it. Okay. Jason Bateman, right? Uh, yeah. So okay. it's it's the the family that gets uh shanghaied into money laundering for a Mexican drug cartel, and for season after season, they've been balancing spinning plates to try and not get murdered and do their job and not get arrested and this and that and there's all this tension and it's really wonderful and it is one of the worst finales I've ever seen because they just could not bring themselves to actually end it they ended it in such a weak way because they knew some like five years from now they're going to do it again you know, and the son is going to be the main character, and the sister will show up too. And do they? Uh, does it does it equate to like the uh, the finale, like the end scene of the Sopranos that everybody fucking? No, hated? is it like that? That made sense. That's the thing. Okay. The Sopranos was a hated ending because people are fucking stupid and they didn't understand <laughs> what they were watching for eight goddamn years. Okay. This is more like they. They, they they stayed true to the theme of Ozark. I don't blame them for that, but there wasn't the kind of finality, you know, okay. that you want. It's like there are characters who mm. die, you know, that's fine. Sure, that happens. But it's not like... The, the, the season opens with a 
the whole family in a van that has basically a horrific car crash. That's how it begins. And then they flash back several months so you can see what led up to it. The final episode tells you what happened after the car crash, and it's underwhelming. It's like, Mm. (laughs) they tricked you into thinking that something really heavy was going on. And And no, it's just winding down a TV show, kind of. Okay. Do you think that's that's more of a... Is that more of a Netflix problem, or is that just the show running out of steam? That's, I, I, I yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't. I mean, Netflix not, usually cancels a show before it's done. Right. Yeah, and yeah. they are now talking about doing a prequel, just like uh, Better Call Saul, you know, to no, Breaking come Bad. Come on. Uh, but Breaking Bad at least had the decency to fully end the main character. You know, right. and then just to make sure, in case you didn't catch it, they made a one-off movie to end the other main character. You know, okay. like they, they fucking ended it. This they didn't end nothing. I think yeah. they're gonna they're gonna make never, a bunch of never, different ones. You know? Never say never. There's ways bringing them back from the dead. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. But overall, overall enjoyable. Just a shitty ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good show. It. Uh, uh, I. I look forward to seeing the following season in you know three or four years. <laughs> right. Um, better call Saul. By the way, uh, I, I have one season left, the final season to watch on that, and that show is still fucking brilliant. I. I really do hope you guys dive into the the Breaking Bad milieu someday. Maybe it is an acquired taste. I don't know, but I think it's some of the best TV I've ever seen. I mean, it's it basically it's Odenkirk being uh, dramatic for the most part, right? It's not. Yeah, but it's, it's not done. It's for that laugh. Vince. It's it's all that Vince Gilligan, um, you know, intensity. Uh huh. And and you know, like like there's there's bits that are funny that you don't expect to be funny, and then there's bits that are horrifying. And <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, it's just. I I don't know. It's like he seems to be a, a, a genius at writing villains and violent characters that you absolutely love. There is a Mexican cartel boss who's a main character in this. Uh, do Do you remember uh, Hawkeye, the Disney Hawkeye? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Okay. Uh, the oh god. Okay. There's like the second fiddle to the to the Echo character or whatever. No. Okay, there was no. Hawkeye Girl and Hawkeye yeah. Girl's mom and Hawkeye yeah. oh, Girl's mom is dating the sword. Yeah, the swordsman is this cartel guy and he is terrifying and at the same time intensely personable. The whole time you're going, I would be so afraid of this guy talk to me, but I would want him to be my best friend because he's just so <laughs> neat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you. crazy. That's yeah. how they get you. Okay. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a really fun show, and it, it, it's a bizarre sort of study on evil, <laughs> and I think it's I think it's going to end with basically Saul Goodman being the one character who understands that there is nothing fun, good, or interesting about being bad, and no one in his universe understanding that. Even his wife is now getting very Lady Macbeth on him. These shows sound like a very hefty investment in time. That's my only reservation. But, but like that's the I, thing. They are they are all the thing is they're so well done and entertaining. All these themes sneak in. They're not about that. 
Right. But it I'm is a, talking... hel- a hefty investment in time, but it's all fun. It's all good. I guess, but I can barely get through like an eight episode run of a show these days. That's the little, <laughs> that's where my mind is. <laughs> ah. I mean, it's just, it's difficult. I, I'm just, yeah. Starting something that hefty right. is uh, daunting to me. So it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do this then. Just watch the first season of Breaking Bad and say, I'm good because that first season does tie tie itself up well. If you they, find you need more, then yeah. yeah, maybe you watch the next one. But you can pretty much get the genius of that show in that first season. So the first season, basically, they didn't know if they were getting renewed, so they just tied it up, and then yeah, it's. I mean, AMC has a very spotty record of keeping shows. Yeah, we're, they're worse than that. And I don't <laughs> think I don't think it was a hit at that point. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, that's I want to go that's next. My cool. I got a I got a theme this week. Yeah. Um. Because the the wife and I realized that everything we were watching fits into a theme, uh, which is funny people from Canada. So I'm gonna I got four things. I'm gonna go from worst to best. We're getting rid of the worst stuff as quickly as possible. Okay. So um, okay. So, the game is what place does kids in the hall come in? Um. <laughs> okay. It is not the worst. Okay. okay, so the worst <laughs> yeah. is The Atom Project, which oh, is this Ryan movie yeah. with Ryan Reynolds and the guy he's been working it. with. Yeah. Um, this is a really aggressively bad movie. Like, <laughs> it, it, it appears to have written... free guy writer or director? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this appears to have been written by an algorithm. Okay, I don't think it was written by humans. <laughs> that explains like, nothing. Every, that's that makes every, a lick of sense. That is every Ryan Reynolds movie since like Green Lantern, at least. No, like this one is really bad. Like there is a character who had a kid in 2010, but he's like really into boomer music or or music that they could license cheaply. Like it has right. none of it makes any goddamn sense. He's into the Who and stuff, and like. Okay, you had a kid in 2010, you were born in, like, 1990? No, you're not into The Who. And Boston, you're just not. Okay, it it, it does eh, not, it just doesn't eh. work. It doesn't work. I, there, I mean, a lot of music know. does not have much in the if, way of balls. I can yeah. see that. I mean, but my if, nephews are, like, wicked into the Rolling Stones yeah. and The Who. I, I, was say, I, if, can, I can tell you that in this movie, they, they don't sell it in any way, shape, or form. It's just... Ah. It's just bad. I've heard it's direct. It's, I don't it, really even need to talk about it. I can just no, tell that it's terrible. Move on. Okay. So it's bad. Uh, third worst, but 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 actually I've gotten some something out of it from a brain garbage perspective is a game show on Netflix called Bullshit, hosted by Howie Mandel. Uh. Um, <laughs> this is a form of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in which the whole gimmick is if you don't know the answer, you can still proceed as long as the other three players buy your bullshit. That's and um, <laughs> I mean, do, do a lot of people know the answer and then no! say, no, say it like, like they don't? Really here's the thing like these questions are like you won't know most of the answers either they're just out of nowhere questions like they're hard trivia questions for a dollar that's what that sounds like yeah that's what that sounds (laughs) Um, like is like that's the show also the other game show called is it cake where the literal oh i didn't even bring is it cake but we totally (laughs) watched it the whole point of that show is just to decide if the thing there is actually cake or not i mean it's like the dumbest 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 thing ever okay we tried couldn't stick it out could not stick it out 
Uh. Yeah. Um, bullshit is more fun. Uh, Howie Mandel does a great job of picking the order of who he talks to and driving the drama, and they, they'll they'll cut off a show in the middle of a contestant's run um, to get you to to binge it. It's well, he's it, he's, it's he's got all that. Deal. It's like junk food. He's but got that. It's fine. Deal or no deal uh, practice under his belt. So yeah. yeah, he's he's a game show host now. So. So, yeah. So, my number two Canadian funny thing, I, I went ahead on your recommendation and started watching The Pentaveret. The Pentaveret. It's so goofy dumb. Uh. <laughs> it, it's, you know what? I'm I'm there for it. It's fine. I, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I really want more Mike Myers, but this is a good one. My, it's actually, I can stand it. My favorite throwaway character is the, like, the Alex Jones guy. Uh, Rex Smith. Yeah. And he's like that, like the just total nutball conspiracy jackass that just shows up from time to time. It's just, it's so pitch perfect, but so throwaway. It's just ridiculous. But when you get to the, have you watched the whole thing, Brian? Or you still no, no, no. It? I'm only like a couple episodes in, so okay. don't spoil it for me. Because <laughs> um, there's a whole bit towards the end that just fucking killed me. Uh, but I won't go into it. But uh, yeah, but, no, but, they 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 do a bit where there's um, in, in one of the earlier episodes. I saw them coming on this too, but I didn't quite know how far they'd take it. There's a scene where they're they're playing pool. Like there's this really nice yeah. Canadian guy, right, and then right, there's right. these American assholes, and the Americans are just swearing constantly. <laughs> And then they cut in and they're like, you know, hey, we're Netflix and we're supposed to be family friendly. So we'll recut that scene without the profanity. And of course, the scene takes on a whole different tone if you do that. So it was it was very, very hilarious the the way they they made that. The scene I'm I'm talking about is uh, similar because Mike Myers likes to repeat joke motifs. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it's it's a similar like Netflix steps in and does the thing. uh, And it's just the effect is just so. Oh, so out there ridiculous that it's like it's almost too much but i i literally laughed the entire scene so <laughs> good luck to I, I i'm having fun with it it's 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 better than expected but yeah but yeah also have not watched anywhere i've only watched one of them in fact but the kids in the hall are back on amazon prime yeah. Eight episodes. making a show about how the kids in the hall are back yeah. at age whatever the hell they are yeah have yeah you, have you seen have you seen any yet eric no, because the last time I watched the the original Kids in the Hall shows, I was like, they don't age well. They're not very funny. Well, I, I think you had to be that age. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the deal: is they're leaning heavily into being sixty something men. Yes. Uh, in a mm. in a twenty first century realm where comedy is totally different now. Uh, yes. And. and uh. And they, the whole, they know. Yeah, they're very aware. Because <laughs> uh, like the whole the whole series starts with this sketch about uh, these two millennial girls, Gen Z, whatever, who find a copy of Brain Candy on VHS at a like a flea mart, run by <laughs> Scott Thompson as an old hippie, and he's trying to talk them out of buying it. Uh, and they're very winky winky about just how ill received that movie was. And they end up buying yeah. it for a quarter anyway. Well, it turns out that that quarter puts Brain Candy over their profit margin, and it's no longer in the red. And so that kickstarts them uh, <laughs> resurrecting the, the curse. Yeah. That's what and makes it, their show possible. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. so, and so they basically dig up the grave of the kids in the hall where they're all in the grave, yeah. and then they basically give them the show. <laughs> but it's the it's the corporate guys from Brain Candy. Uh 
Mark McKinney doing the Lorne Michaels character. Oh, you know. Did you, know, you make Lord. a deal with the devil? Worse, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. so that kickstarts the entire series. So it's them going, you know, giant fuck you to everybody that didn't like Brain Candy. We're back, bitches. Uh, yeah. And it's just a and, roller coaster. And honestly, you know, the the style of humor has not changed. It is still oh. the kids in the hall being weird. Dude. Um, but keep, keep, I... Keep I it's, it was like a warm blanket. I was like, "Oh, the, this is ex- this is for exactly people between the ages of forty-seven and fifty-three yeah. right you, now." I remember this Thank shit. You. Yeah. yeah, but here's the here's the deal with it though: is that you watch the the episodes progress, and it's like they have gotten so much darker. Oh my fucking god! It's just like <laughs> it's astonishing. It's like that's their new thing they're like old men who've seen some shit and they're like this is how fucked up the world is and they just lean into it it's so funny but uh yeah they're not they're not holding back at this point at all and they don't they don't bring back a lot of characters they bring back some like down the line you'll get bruno ponce jones and francesca fiore um and you'll get one buddy sketch which is pretty funny but also very disturbingly gross i'm kind of done with buddy but Uh, fine but basically the name of the sketch is the last glory hole on earth and you'll just (laughs) (laughs) uh but the the one that floors me i think it's like in the third episode uh it's basically it's called dj dooms or doomsday dj and it's just dave foley in a bunker uh doing like a D, like replaying one song over and over, and it's I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. You've got a brand new key, and ugh, yeah, and, and it just just keeps going. And then like the song stops, and he does like motor mouth in the border, blah blah blah. And then you come to find out that the world has ended because there's like an alien invasion that's fucked everything up, and he's literally in a bunker. <laughs> and then he puts on the same fucking song and gets this super haunted five mile stare look on his face. The skit goes on for literally five minutes and that's it. And it is so astonishingly effective, but so disturbing. <laughs> so oh, I that's hope the, it's as good as you describe. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's so the flavor. definitely, definitely give at least the first episode a shot, Eric, and yeah. see if they get you. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, it's there. It's the kids in the hall. They're back. Yeah. They're, for at least eight episodes. Yeah, but it's there. There's no live stuff. It's all filmed, uh, so you get a, that sort of vibe. Which is the only thing that's sort of dis con, con, incongruous about it is that it just it doesn't feel like Kids in the Hall, but at the same time, it is Kids in the Hall. It's a weird. I mean, that vibe. would make it more like the movie, right? No, uh, no laughter. Yeah, there's no laugh track. It's just straight up them being fucking weird for eight episodes uh, <laughs> and nailing it. But at the same time, it's a fairly inconsistent flow, just yeah. like their old show. Like I think people rosy hued uh, their nostalgia for it, and they think every episode's great. But you go back and you watch those. It's like, well, there's like one or two good sketches, and then the rest are kind of like ho hum. And then occasionally, I mean, right. even some of the ones that we really liked, if you watch them again, you're like, yeah. So, but what's yeah. that? I remember thinking that like flying pig was genius and then I saw it again and I was like, this is re- just dumb. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like aggressively dumb. Yeah. And of course that was the point was that yeah. it be aggressively dumb, but yeah. yes, it was. So, and so and they, they have sketches even in the first episode where they, where they, you know, they commit to the bit, like the bit is not that great, but they're just like, 
okay, yeah. but what if we do it again and then we do it again? Yeah. And, you so, know, I mean, they're like, they're old pros, so yeah, it's good. The only thing that's straight, it just they they've obviously been influential on other acts that have come since, uh, and so that's the why just kids piece. you know definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then there's also if you want to continue your your Canadian flavor, Brian. There's another sketch comedy troupe from Canada that's all women called Baroness von Sketch. I might have brought them yeah. up at some point. Those, yeah, you brought them a while ago. Those yep. are some of the most consistently funny sketches I have seen come from any sort of troupe of this ilk uh, in ages because they're just spot on with how women are treated, how middle-aged people are treated, like you're just like aging and perspective and this and that. And their their skits are just fucking weird to poignant to hilarious. I would definitely recommend. Yeah, you my try problem that. was that they they keep ending up being in a you've got to pay to watch this. No, no. Uh, if you say, state if you uh, if you get Pluto TV, the app for your Roku, uh, they have. Oh God, a, I gotta get the Clomper app. Shit. So uh, it's it's free, and that's that's where you can catch most of them. But uh, okay, but they're pretty hilarious. But they're definitely like kids in the hall. That that's definitely the lineage. Uh, but it's like. Uh, a reverse so it's all women and some of them dress up as men to do the thing and the whole nine yards and they've got recurring characters so it's it's similar in flavor but it's it's truly funny so there's your Canadian so, so Chris did, did our fresh shit just overlap did did I bring one of yours I was just going to talk just about kid, the return of the kids in the hall and the and how yeah how it's worth it but also ultimately left me a little bit wanting it's sort of like watching uh, a revival tour from a, a really large band that has been at it for decades it's like you get sort of the the greatest hits but then they play the new stuff and you're like i don't know about that new stuff yet so that's that's kind of how i felt about it (laughs) so subscribe to the podcast so you can hear our previous episode where eric and i talk about a whole festival of that (laughs) yeah anyway so yeah that's all i got and chris reviews play some skinnerd All right, Wait, so is that it? The, is that the fresh shit? Yeah, that's I'm done. SLC Punk is our topic of choice this week, uh, just because it showed up how, on how HBO did Mac. We, how did we pick this as a topic? Where it, did it come from? It showed up on HBO Max, and I hadn't seen it in a while, and I thought it would be fun to revisit. And then you said you hadn't ever seen it, and so I thought it that's would true. be fun to make you watch it, because I will tell you this, when you watch it, when it came out, like 1999 or whatever, it's a totally different vibe from when you watch it in 2022. Even oh, though, even really? though the so? is about uh, punk rockers in Salt Lake City in 1985. So it's, it's an indie film yeah. uh, with a great soundtrack starring Matthew Lillard and a coterie of other people uh, just basically railing against the system. There's no story, really. It's just punk rockers. It's in an arc. Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah. It's the arc of the main character going from, you know, like absolute anarchist to realizing he's not an anarchist. He's a bit yeah. of a poser and yeah. then mm-hmm. going straight on into adulthood. Yeah. So and it's, I remember it's, actually being like, when I saw it originally, I was so disappointed at the ending. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. No, don't go that way. Yeah. And, and now you, now you watch it. You're like, it's, it makes sense. Well, like, I wasn't 17 when this, I mean, it wasn't 1985 when I saw it. So I saw this as somebody who had been there and was nostalgic and him taking that route 
it, it's kind of like, dude, I no, don't do that to my memory of my youth. Right. Yeah. But then, but now I watch it and I'm like, no, that's absolutely you either, you either grow up into something from that yeah, or you're Gigi Allen and you know, you, you, you get buried covered in shit because you're so punk rock forever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I mean, it was, it was kind of clear from frame one that as much as this guy was you know was was pushing his aesthetic and and his his ethos that he was a poser right like first of all he's Matthew Lillard he just he just comes off as one yeah but um but yeah there was something so for me I'm watching it for the first time I'm watching it in 2022 and the first thing I'm picking up off of this is that there's this really weird like disconnect between the script, the soundtrack, and then the movie. Like, I can I can hear an authentic voice in the script. Like, if I just think about the words that are being said, the situations, I'm like, yeah, okay, this was written by a guy who grew up in Salt Lake City and who knew people like this. Like, I totally get that. The soundtrack is spot on. The soundtrack is authentic. It's it's full of of you know it's it's basically punk good rock solid needle drops it's punk rock and yeah and then the movie it just felt like whoever cast it and whoever directed it like didn't have that and it feels like a tv show except that there's a lot of crane shots and yeah, it's just super slick and bright and like it doesn't have any grime on it it's like not punk well, at all and then i find out it's directed by the guy who wrote it and i'm like huh yeah. well that's the thing <laughs> is it the like eric was saying the underlying motif and they're very explicit by the end it's like you know am i a punk because i'm a poser i mean it's literally that and he's got a whole like rant in the middle of the movie where he's in a shopping mall talking about all the fucking posers who talk about the sex pistols and anarchy in the uk and what is that bullshit and it's almost like someone wrestling with the idea of like well what is it to be a punk uh, it, is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? And so, as an ethos, it's sort oh. of like it, it. Is it ever codified in any form or fashion? And then suddenly, you, you wake up one day and you're like, "Oh, I've just been doing it all wrong, and now I'm a fucking idiot." I mean, that's to me. That's there, the movie. There's an amazing monologue in the middle of the movie um, where he talks about the different factions of the punks, and then the rednecks, and and the new wave kids, and, and the, the mods, metal, and, and the metalheads, and how like. All of these things ultimately are, you know, tribes and and that it, it's the opposite of anarchy and that, in fact, it's it's really just the same thing that is governments and war and not yeah. um, not individualism. And he's, he's like calling out all of the contradictions in his own, um, you know, his own politics. And, and and that is kind of the point at which the movie turns towards something that isn't just a big dumb goofy thing that feels like it wants to be punk but isn't really punk. Yeah. <laughs> um and and gets to the point. But I don't know. I No, it, it kept me at arm's length because it was so slick. Does yeah. that make sense? Well, I mean, this is the deal though when you watch it. It's uh it's definitely of a long line of movies of this ilk where it's, you know, you've got the disaffected subculture kid railing against all of the unfairness blah 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 like it it's most 
specific corollary is train spotting, which had come out like two years before. This literally, you could overlap this, and there are characters that you can pluck from train spotting, and like this is the Begbie character, and this is Renton, and this is Sick Boy, and blah blah blah. And it sort of follows that hop where it's just them being aimless and doing their thing in their city of choice, but how everything just sucks being in that city of choice. And then you've got the soundtrack to kind of pep everything up and then roll from there. But even going further, you can go to something like Quadrophenia from like 79, which is the same thing. The mods versus the rockers, this and that. And it's the good soundtrack and the whole nine yards. It's li- I mean, it, it, there's nothing original going on here which to me lends itself to the whole theme of the movie where it's like, is is there anything uh, genuine about being a punk other than just fucking the system? I mean, that's literally the, the, the motif of punk rock, but how do you express that? And so that to me is what makes it interesting. Like the glossy stuff I can care less about these days. So we're, we're trampling over the actual suburban punk <laughs> on the show eric yeah <laughs> yeah i gotta us, get you back I, in here no i mean uh, no I, I i guess i yeah i agreed with most of what was going on here i was okay with it i i was just glad it wasn't like um uh empire records or Ugh, that yeah. th- that that smith's movie you know shoplifters of the world like it, it's like slice of life is basically a way of you know, excusing your laziness and not actually writing characters. Right. And this, at least, it's like, maybe the characters are thinner than, you know, they needed to be, but uh, well, it's the messaging in it, I, it's right. It's like, you can't be a punk forever. Yeah. You have to find a direction for it. And really, I, I think you're only a poser if you then take all that righteous anger and go, nah, I didn't mean any of that. Yeah. Now, he's going to grow up to be a lawyer who still thinks that people who are plastic are bullshit. I mean, yeah. he should. <laughs> it's it, The movie's still got one of my favorite lines ever, and it's in this, the flashback scene when he's just graduated high school, and he's got, like, the giant blue mohawk and the full regalia with the studs and the whole nine yards, and he's talking to his parents, his dad the lawyer, his mom, like, the, the hippie, and they're divorced, and his dad's like, you need to go to Yale now blah 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 and he's like no fuck that I'm gonna go to you know state school right here blah 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 and he just starts railing against all of the bullshit that he thinks his parents are about and at the very end he's leaving and his dad just like "Uh, just remember son uh, I didn't sell out I bought in and then that's the end of the scene and that line has stuck with me for 20 some odd years now I think that's (laughs) just that is the most succinctly specific line about growing up that I can possibly think of because you're just basically flipping the coin you're like well I'm rationalizing it now I didn't sell out I bought in and it's like and you can see that path mm-hmm. and so that sort of sets the tone for that character that Matthew Lillard plays Steve-O uh, by the end and that they you know he's like yeah it's it doesn't matter where you are it's all horse shit so it's just a matter of what horse shit are you going to embrace at any given time that's sort of the the gist uh, punctuated by a, a really fun soundtrack. So, you know, it gets there. But I think it, it makes a good case about living in a sort of a rednecky podunk. Because we all grew up in Phoenix. And I can see elements yeah. of Phoenix in this movie. And so it sort of hit a little So closer. funny. I made a lot of the same arguments, though. Like, 
you know, again, being a punk in Phoenix, it's like, why are you wearing a fucking leather jacket? When does it get that cold <laughs> that you wear? And you wear yeah. it every day. It's like maybe yeah. there's two, three days a year. It's cold enough to wear a leather. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but it's just because yeah. it's not anarchy; it's fashion. Yeah, that's that's one of the things he gets told at the end. Yeah, and it's true. Well, but I just like that it's just a strung together series of uh, just you know uh, events that happen during like a certain period of time right after he's graduated college. Uh, like when they they drive to Wyoming to buy regular beer instead of getting stuck with like the three percent beer that Utah makes people sell. <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought that's that's fun because it's you can take them out of the the city, but you still get them in you know that weird Western podunk. When, when was this movie made again? Like two thousand two or something. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. So when they go to Wyoming. And they're talking about Nazis, and the the dude in Wyoming's like, "No, I, I just viewed that as I didn't view that as fascism. That was just a gathering." Yeah, and you know, and then they're talking about beating up the actual skinhead Nazi kids, and yeah. I'm like, "Well, boy, I'm nostalgic for the days when that's all the Nazi we had to deal with." Yeah, oh, fuck. But yeah, but I do like that they make a point of that they beat the shit out of any Nazi skinhead because that's just what you need to do to any Nazi skinhead. Like they would like they're getting together with the mod kid. And they're ambushing the, the Nazis. I just, I love that element yeah. of the, the movie. Because it's like, yeah, we don't have any tolerance or time for your bullshit, you fucking knucklehead. I mean, that's like, that's how it should be. But, uh, sadly. Except, of course, they handle this situation like any good fascist would. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> With the club. But I love to get the woman yeah. talking about God and how, uh, you know, it's the this, this sign of the devil and that la la la. And like, what's the sign of the devil? It's like six six six, and then apparently, and then they you come to find out that Matthew Littler to Stevo has six 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 tattooed on his ass, so he totally moonshots him, and like goes, ah! and then they freak out, and the guy pulls out the shotgun, and they run off with the Mickey's big mouth. I mean, it's just you know, we didn't have any adventures quite that crazy, but uh, I can still look back at certain elements of our youth uh, where they were close to being that ridiculous, and so it's just there's a boisterousness to the film that I think I, I appreciate to this day because it gets the aimlessness of that era of a, of an age, uh, right. Mm. In my, in my opinion, like even more so than even train spotting. Cause it's, there's, that's got the whole heroin thing on it. But here it's just like, yeah, we're just basically, uh, living day to day. and don't give a fuck about anything. And it's like, I can remember yeah. like a certain period where that was what I was all about. Sadly. <laughs> But that I, I bought yeah. in. I didn't sell out. I bought in. And then the character realizes bit by bit that actually he does care about things. He just doesn't want to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you, you know, know that's, I, that's I think about, there. like, uh, most of this is just trappings of, you know, culture, time, music, yeah. fashion, whatever. The, the real thing is, you know what? Being old sucks. Being young's great. You know, just just enjoy that because <laughs> you're dying. <laughs> That's true. Well, I love that uh, they they got the soundtrack right because you brought that up, and that's that's one of the main reasons to really watch this thing. Because if you're not into punk rock uh, for any reason, this is a really good primer for the stuff you probably would want to listen to first. Because uh, it all starts with that throwback scene between Steve-O and Heroin Bob, the two main characters, when they're like 12 years old in the basement about to play some D&D, &D, and then Bob is like, 
D&D fucking sucks. Listen to this. And then they play <laughs> uh, Kiss Me Deadly by Generation X. And then it's like you can see like the light bulbs kind of click where it's like, well, yeah, we were listening to Rush. Rush sucks now. We're going to be into this. And that sort of spirals around. Because I was sick to fight for a face. So you, you get like these nice bits throughout to kind of punctuate the scenes. But for my money, any movie that ends with a main character who was a punk then realizes that he was a poser and is now just going to become part of the system. And then they end it with Kill the Poor by the Dead Kennedys. I mean, that to me is one of the best uh, <laughs> yeah. way to punctuate your ending. Because it's like, yeah, it's all horseshit. It's all horseshit. <laughs> That's so. the other, like, but that's also the sad ending, I remember, which is, so nothing, it's a very nihilistic, actually, you know, it's yeah. like nothing actually means anything, Yeah, you know, there is no such thing as not being a poser if you're a punk, <laughs> there is, there mm-hmm. is no uh, integrity at all, there's just, yeah. you know, kids, fashion, and hormones, which is probably yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it also nails that age where you think your music choices and your fashion and everything is so fucking important when it's really not i mean it's just the trappings of your image but it's not who you are Uh, you think this is on fleek now but it won't be on (laughs) fleek forever exactly (laughs) yeah Uh, but you know i did watch this with my wife who she had never seen it before but uh Back in the day, well before we ever met, uh, when she was early 20-something, she lived in Houston, and she actually worked at a punk club uh, and did the door. And so she's got all these fun stories about like how the skinheads would show up for certain shows and then start a bunch of shit, and then somebody would get stabbed, and the cops would show up, and this and that. And so she was actually there for a lot of this nonsense, like firsthand. And overall, she's like... At the end, when Steve was talking about, well, yeah, I am a poser. I'm just a white rich kid, and she's like, no, that's actually true. Most of the punks I knew uh, were white rich kids, and that's pretty yeah. much the gist. And so it's like, well, at that point, it's like, mm-hmm. well, what's the aesthetic then? It's like, what are you, you're just rebelling against whatever just because you want to. So she uh, she said it's pretty accurate for that sort of vibe. So I'll take her word for it. But well, and and I mean, that's right there in the title, right? This is this is. Salt Lake City punk, right? <laughs> so, exactly. Not it's exactly not even, known for the scene. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. even middle America. That's like weird, like, yeah, middle of nowhere America. But I like that he, he mentions the fact that he's like, there's, it's a city controlled by religion where only half of the citizens adhere to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that sort of speaks to the whole sort of futility of the system that he's living in i mean you could see why he would rebel because it's like yeah this is nonsense yeah yeah and then there's like that one time-lapse shot of the the mountain you know and then the suburbs just lying in the valley yeah and yeah i mean that might as well be a shot of phoenix you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) but uh i mean you know i I, I think the, the comparison to quadrophenia i think is a good one because in that one everyone's a poser 
right? And, yeah, and Sting exactly. is the character everyone's held up to as the god of the mods. He's the coolest. He yeah. he always you know has cash. He's you know, and then when you know the main character sees him and he's actually has a job, you know, at as a, a hotel as a bellboy, yeah. as a yeah, as a bellboy. That it's like, well, he's a poser too. Except no, how do you think he gets his money? It doesn't just magically yeah. happen. And so the main character in Quadrophenia is the only completely dedicated non-poser, and he drives his his scooter off of uh, a fucking cliff. Yeah, because you can only, if you're going to be true to the scene, you have to die. Yeah, so well, it like, makes sense. You know what? Yeah. You choose to die, or you 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 um, evolve, and yeah. I think that's also why heroin Bob has to die. Yeah. Well, I mean, to begin with, he's just, he's sporting that Travis Bickle taxi driver look, uh, but he's really kind of a pussycat, which is like, to yeah. me, that's the funniest dichotomy of the whole thing. So it's like, he's, but he's the purest punk of the whole lot because he just doesn't have anything else that he cares about. But then by the end, yeah, he ends up dead because he, he's almost straight edge. He just drinks and smokes, but then he ends up dead. Yeah, no, he gets killed by irony. Yeah. He ends so. up yeah, getting a bunch of Percocet from the fucking mods. <laughs> so the mods kill the punks. That's, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's not very subtle, this movie. I will, I will just up front on that. But uh, it, it's not nearly as enjoyable as it was the first time I saw it, but it's still pretty fun. Uh, but I don't know if I'll watch it again for another 20 years <laughs> when I'm an old, old man who can barely remember his name. And then, you know, it'll I, be on TV. Yeah. I hate, I hate remembering this, but I remember in high school, the, the mod girls were fucking gorgeous and I wanted to be with them. And all of the guys who were mods were gay. So I was like, I think I got a shot here. Absolutely did not. They <laughs> wanted wearing- nothing to do with me. Well, yeah, because you roll up in your your shorts and your fucking Stinkweeds record shop t-shirt and your skateboard, and uh, you just weren't wearing the right uniform, man. That's what it boils down yeah. to. You got to yeah, wear the right uniform. <laughs> so, so if you if you lived it all over, yeah, again, that's right. I'm supposed to date Betty's. I remember hearing that term, Betty's. So I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Who made that up? That's <laughs> dumb. So if you had to do it over again, like. Uh, like, would you would you try to join one of these specific tribes? Uh, would you live that lifestyle? Probably not, because yeah. I, I I mean, like, basically, I am who I am and who I was because I don't know anybody's anything. I don't yeah. understand humans and your 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 communications. <laughs> I I <laughs> I'm just I'm fucked up. That's the problem. I can't yeah. talk to anyone. Uh I always like to consider myself yeah. where it's just I was. I was listening to the the different music and stuff, but I was still wearing like the the typical '90s or the '80s you, wardrobe. You know yeah, what I mean? you're 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 Billy Joel punk, Chris. I think. Is what, <laughs> yeah, what you are. I mean, that's fair. What's that's that? Fair. <laughs> Meaning he's a poser. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and and I I wish I wish I was as cool as the new wave kids that just get their ass kicked and don't fight back. But I wasn't even that. I was somewhere nerdier down the chain, yeah. still getting my ass kicked and not fi- fighting back. Yeah. Oh well, that's still one of my favorite <laughs> jokes in the whole movie too, where he runs down the the chain. Yeah, where the punks beat up the Nazis, who beat up the rednecks, who beat up the metalheads, who beat up 
the new waivers who don't fight back. And that to me just is the yeah. epitome of the scene. It's like, yeah, I couldn't Pretty even much, yeah. couldn't even imagine a new waiver like fighting back in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> We're not very good at it. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So But so, we'll oh, write lots of music about it. And then we'll pogo. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So all right. So uh, would you would you watch it again at any point, Brian? Or is this a one and done? You're, you no, I'm I'm it. good. Okay, <laughs> I've seen it. I, I figured as much. Uh, are there any other movies like this, Eric, that you can think of that we should uh, make Brian uh, watch? Um, the original Suburbia. Oh, that's not right. the not the thing with uh, Giovanni Ribisi, but no, the no, no. earlier one. The early one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get that one. That's a good one. That's and that's an intense film. That's and and what's great is I don't think there's any professional actors in it. It's just a bunch of punks. And what's her name directed it? Uh, that woman Spheres. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Penelope Spheres. Um, Penelope Spears. Yeah. And then uh, I might also add that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Stains, one of uh, Diane Lane's and Laura Dern's earliest. That's also got Ray Winstone. Uh, but that's oh. a Lou. That's a Lou Adler jam about a a young punk rock girl band who uh, goes on tour and gets uh, sort of disabused of their their punk aspirations. So, right. you know, it's not like these movies are are fresh, but occasionally one comes <laughs> along that's at least visually interesting, and that's the best I can yeah. say about SLC punk. Uh, so, I yeah. The my problem case. is like punk rock really only lasted a very little while before it sort of became you know a commodity yeah and when it was worth something yeah nobody they didn't have the power to make anything yeah exactly well yeah everything sucks i think that's the bottom line uh congratulations slc book hooray (laughs) yay so yeah that's the show everybody uh as always Share it, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> As always, share it with your friends on social media. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate it on iTunes. Um, if you want to reach out to us, we're on Twitter. We're at MagHuge, M A G H U G E. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, you can find links to all of that on our website, which is also MagHuge.com. And if you want to email us, we're MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. Um, Fuck it, nothing matters. The show's over. Nazi punks fuck off.